0: listening to headliners the show featuring the best and brightest of music from all over the world please welcome your host greg howard jr
2: on this episode of headliners i am joined by a band that probably has one of the greatest names of all time please welcome the absolutely incredible baby's got Back Talk. hello
1: hi
3: hello hello glad you enjoy the name um you know that's a hotly contested championship belt you just awarded (laughs) us uh we're we're freaking honored for sure
1: very honored thank you
2: when when i got when i got the email from mike and just just the band name alone i didn't even read the rest of the email i was like yes i yes them them absolutely (laughs) let's let's do this
1: Thank you. Very grateful. Very grateful.
3: Is it, um, are you, what exactly like hooked you on the name? Are you a big Sir a lot fan, a big Butts fan, both? I, I love
2: a bit of nostalgia and, you know, any, any kind of nineties reference. I'm like, yes, absolutely. These are, these are my people. I'm here for this.
1: You made a point to avoid the butt part. like that. Oh. <laughs>
2: Also that, also that. <laughs> so tell me, what is, what is out from y'all right now that we should all be listening to?
3: Well, the short answer is our new EP, Wince Repeat. Um, it came out on Wiretap Records a little bit earlier this summer, a couple weeks ago. Um, our latest single from that EP is called, I'm Sorry I'm a Moron, but also help. All of that is the title. Um, And we put out a video premiered on punknews.org, which you should be able to find very easily on the intro web with that lengthy title. Uh, But, of course, as as excited as we are about Winsor Repeat," you should really listen to all the songs on our Spotify. Uh, We've been around since about 2017, and we've just been dropping like a steady stream of EPs and and one full-length record and we stand behind all of it and feel like it's particularly, uh, appropriate. Some are listening and not just some are listening, but, um, appropriate to this sort of collective, uh, definitely national, perhaps global mood where you're trying to stay positive and like remain engaged with your life. But you also have this vague sense of foreboding that things are, uh, crumbling at kind of like a cataclysmic level. Um, we are the band for that cultural moment. We're making music that's responsive to that, and uh, we kind of sound like that feels. So, if you had
2: to describe the new EP using only one word, what would that word be?
3: You can tackle that one, re- or I can. Okay, tackle yeah, word.
1: I, I want to tackle it because I did. I, it's still hard. I did spend a lot of time, and I have many words to say, but I want to say. <sighs> I want to say relatable in the sense that just kind of building off what you had explained about all our other music, it does like what we try and strive for is to create absolute bangers that, like you said, kind of bringing that collective consciousness and um, navigating life. That seems like it's melting around you, trying to be positive, even though you're trying to like also either hold down a day job or make some make ends meet or just having a existential crisis while also existing in crisis mode in the world but it's still like cheerful and very smartly written and we put a lot of thought into how we want to convey all those like different emotions in this neat little package so I want to say relatable I hope she agrees Who is
2: an artist that if they jumped into this Zoom right now and said, I need y'all to go on tour with me right this minute, who are we dropping
3: everything for? Ooh, and dropping everything for. I think um, our answer is partially inspired by uh, the, the recurrence of this conversation on Twitter. Very often, a band we admire a lot, they're called Meet Me at the Altar, will kind of tease their fan base by saying like, oh, who are some bands out there that we should take on tour? And it never fails. Anytime that tweet comes up, like someone who apparently listens to our band, I guess, tags us. And each time I'm like, you know what? That's a visionary answer right there. Meet Me at the Altar, Baby Got Back Talk. That is uh, a match Worthy of the altar.
2: So if you could change one thing about the music industry, what would it be?
1: Just one thing?
2: What's at the top of the list? We'll we'll start there.
1: <laughs> um gracious. I feel like there's been so much change already in the industry. I mean, just kind of how bands have been growing and getting all of their music and media out there, I think I would change how people are discovered and make it less social media base, if that makes sense. We'll but probably- to me. I know, I know. <laughs> but I guess Why what do? I really, what I really enjoy about our band and the groups that we play with specifically is that we, you know, here in the city, there's a lot of like punk rock community. And so like, there are a lot of local bands that we know. We know them professionally, personally, we grow with them. We kind of see other groups that pop up from them and they're all, they all have talent, but good gracious to keep up with the whole social media thing, getting into the public eye like that. It's so, it's a little soul sucking because a frequent conversation that we have between us is like, okay, how do we like manipulate the algorithm to, show people our music. How do we get things? And in my head, I'm like, we're fucking great. Like, how do people just not find us like on the fact that we're just amazing, but it's a lot of little idiosyncrasies that kind of take away from the actual music making process for me, at least. Like, I don't want, I want to be able to be like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm a moron, but also help is so good. And it's such a bop, but I don't want to have to make a reel to do that. Cause I hate having my face on the plastered on things. And I happen to think about that in that way. I just wish that I could be like, Hey, we're throwing a show and here is the link. And here's, you can get tickets. You can get all our merch there and talk to us and not hope that we go viral to do that.
2: That is, that is the most popular answer to this question <laughs> is that nobody, nobody likes social media and, you know, it is. It is the necessary evil I've found.
1: It's evil. <laughs> it's, it's,
2: <laughs>
1: it's necessary is still a hotly debated topic, but like evil for sure.
2: <laughs> what is a venue that you give anything to play? Like, what's the dream venue?
3: I kind of cut my teeth in the punk, hardcore, emo, pop punk scene in the DMV area, like district. Maryland, Virginia, and to me, the kind of like signal venue of that scene is Nine Thirty Club, which is an amazing place to see bands. Um, we haven't played there yet. I think that would be a really cool full circle moment for a band like us. Um, in part because seeing Rancid there, uh, headlining gig there, I think in like two thousand four was a really, I don't know, formative moment for me as a musician and as a punk rocker. And to, like, sort of return to a a place where it all started as a listener, I think, would be um, really satisfying.
2: What do you think is your worst habit during the songwriting process?
1: Oh, my God. This one is perfect for me, isn't it? Um, I know my worst habit is never remembering the songs titles. (laughs) Ever. Ever. Like, Greg, ever. That's one of my habits. So... For me it'll be like okay we're going to work on um, opposite of imposter syndrome and usually it'll have like either a working title or sometimes a set title and i'll just be like oh okay which one is that? and i'll be like is that the one and it, yeah that's not great um I actually kind of want to know what she's <laughs> response to this <laughs> is. I feel like I feel like it's that for me, among other things.
3: I don't maybe the solution is to name a song the da, 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 da one. <laughs> I like can make that, that the title.
1: It should be that. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: but that's where I'm at.
3: <laughs> the worst habit, I guess, related to that. Uh, that I used to have that I've like only recently been able to break is kind of just like forgetting to... Like when you write a chorus, not to get super music theory oriented, but like when you write a chorus, you usually want it to have a lift from like the pre-chorus and the verse. And when I was younger, I think it just has to do with me being kind of a lazy singer who doesn't really want to use too much oxygen. I would like come up with a phrase that I really liked but I would like make the melody start on, like, the tonic rather than like the third or the fifth or something, and it would just, it would just kill the momentum of songs. And then, I think kind of towards the middle uh, of our last two records, I um, realized like, oh, that's your reflex. So every time you write a course, like double check what note it starts on and then do the less lazy one and this song will instantly be way catchier um and i think that has played out well um and producers get less mad at me as a result which is nice.
2: how would you describe your music using only colors and shapes
3: uh, uh
1: you first sorry
3: i'm gonna throw out a turquoise black hole I know it's kind of two colors and i don't know if the black is really a shape but i feel like Woo! that sums up what's happening what do you think Ray?
1: um mm, turquoise is in there but i'm also putting in the other colors that we like the pink and the black and the purple and i picture it like one of those old microsoft um screensavers that would like change shape so it would go from like a square and then like pop out into like this weird like multi-dimensional figurine but every time it's doing that it's also like screaming at you I and dancing
2: <laughs> do you uh, consider yourselves artists or entertainers
1: I think I definitely feel a bit of it like a bit of an entertainer and I think that comes from partially having to also be on social media, and entertain. But um, I also feel like our live shows are just really fun, and the way that we put on like our stage thing, it's very interactive. We, we do a lot of like, crap. Not want to call them crowd games, but kind of like crowd games where we want to like have them sing with us, and we have our fuck. I don't know if you- we have a staple moment in our set it's the fuck fascism high five where basically we make the audience make friends with someone next to them and on the count of three we have our drummer like doing a little roll and you clap hands and you say fuck fascism and it's things like that plus all the little like banter we have on stage um all put together I think is like fun it makes it a fun experience so I'm okay with being an entertainer in that way do I also we're absolutely artists and that we're singing about very hardcore shit and I feel like a lot of like thought is put into the work we put in and we do like think about it in that way but I would say a nice like blend between the two but I feel like a bit of an entertainer and then slash artist And I'm okay with that
3: when someone says entertainer I picture someone like tap dancing
1: I've done that <laughs> <laughs> I actually had tap lessons.
3: And I'm like, is there like a punk rock tap dancer? And could we incorporate that into our show? Which, If not, know. there should be. There, there definitely should
1: There should be. We could do that.
2: Tell me about the moment in your career that you're most proud of.
3: Definitely a few candidates there. But the thing that sort of immediately jumps to mind um, is... When we played Afro Punk Festival in 2019, um, I had been kind of doing music reviews and there are concert reviews and like essays for the website, just like contributing prose to the website. And one of the pieces I had written was actually about the band Jawbreaker, who were one of our um, kind of core influences just in terms of, uh, I guess, more ethos than sound. And somehow, I guess the piece I'd written about J- Jawbreaker had made it back to the band. Um, and they had shouted it out on their socials, which was cool. But the big shock came when during our set, we were like two songs in, and I was making eye contact with the crowd, which is, I guess, you know, pretty customary. At one point, I realized one of the people I was making eye contact with was Blake Schwarzenbach, who is the singer, guitarist, and jawbreaker. And that was, like, such a insanely exciting development that I, for a second, sort of forgot where I was and forgot to, like, sing and play. But once I recovered, it was really cool. Um, and obviously, Afro Punk Festival is, like, a very special place to us anyway um, mm-hmm. on a lot of levels, but to have... Uh, one of our punk rock heroes like actually watch us play in an environment like that was just kind of one of those early moments in the band's trajectory where I was like, Oh, well, I guess we kind of got out of the garage at least and maybe this is something to continue to invest in.
1: That's my favorite story. (laughs) Definitely up there.
0: From the minds that brought you the smash hit podcast, Your Life, The Mixtape, and Headliners comes Your Life, The Mixtape Magazine, a free monthly digital magazine that focuses on music, culture, and social commentary on current news and events. Visit www.yourlifethemixtape.com to subscribe today.
2: What was the moment like when you decided that you actually wanted to pursue music?
1: That is. Hmm. I feel like for me, there were a couple moments. moments. Um, I have been playing music. It feels like my entire life um, since like the second grade and uh, obviously well out of second grade now, but I think. The moment I thought I was going to be doing this forever was, I was doing, It was around, I think it was around the same time we started, I was doing music camp as a violinist. I was a counselor and I was with my violin teacher who had, you know, classically taught me for years at that point. And we were talking about improvisation. I was saying like, oh, you know, I joined this punk band and... I'm excited about this and I think it's gonna be cool and he's like this is a he played at Carnegie Hall he goes overseas there's all this like crazy ass pouring on this classical instrument he's like how do you even come up with this stuff like how do you go and do this like I could never do that and I'm like well shit if this fellow who is an expert in this instrument that I'm playing is feeling that I'm doing something that's different then maybe I have something here that I should be doing different and um that's when I was like let me just do this for serious now and gracious yeah now here we are (laughs) signed and doing the thing so yeah I was I think I was like 19 at the time I'm past that now when I figured that out
2: (laughs) so if you could start your career over from day one would you do anything differently
3: uh I think if we're leaving aside uh the butterfly effect right if we're not going down an Ashton Kutcher uh avenue here absolutely do some things differently uh the first thing I would do for sure is I would meet my bandmates earlier like If I got the flux capacitor right now and I can just go back in time, I would like recruit them before we met and start making tunes earlier better.
1: I was gonna ask, like, does it like if we went back in time, we wouldn't know each other, but like would you still know us and then seek us out?
3: Yeah, well, so my plan is I'd write down my intentions in the present and then I would take the the notes app with me into the past. So if I did lose my memory, I'd be like, fun and Jake. Oh my and God, that's like, so fucking cute. Future me wrote it down like he probably had a reason. Bless you. <laughs> I would also maybe like focus on the bass guitar earlier in life. And um, probably work on my voice earlier in life. I feel like I came to both of those a little bit belatedly like after i already knew i wanted to write songs and be in bands but i was figured i would be like a guitar player who was more of a sideman, like a you know a duty like contributed lyrics but wasn't the vocalist um and that's cool you know i was in some bands like that and i had a lot of fun with it but i think the mix that we have now uh if i had been aware of how gratifying and fun it was going to be to like have a band in, in the configuration that we have now. Like I definitely would have done it sooner.
1: He likes us.
2: <laughs> when are you most creative?
1: Okay. I know is going to assume I'm going to say because I'm hot when I'm high. <laughs> <laughs> um, I no. would you would assume it. Yeah, I know. Um, I smoke a lot, but I would say I feel like I'm most creative when I'm on, like commuting on the subway. I commute a lot during the week. I have like long commutes to work and I just, you know, do a lot of in-between shit. And I feel like just kind of having that time to sit and zone out, but also kind of like be be with people, but just kind of in your own little world. I think that's when I really just kind of dissociate with everything. And I'm like, hmm i just let my head go on tangents so during my morning commute yes when i'm stoned because <laughs> it's because you gotta smoke at some point i work in a it's not the point but yes yeah. <laughs> uh yeah morning commutes <laughs> and afternoon <laughs>
0: Visit Deardean.com slash subscribe to get signed up.
2: So if this episode suddenly turned into like a tiny desk concert type thing, um, What song opens the set list?
3: I kind of think we haven't opened a show like this yet, but I kind of think we're all gravitating towards playing film noir, which is the first track on winter Pete as a kind oh my of God,
1: yeah.
3: uh, set list opener. It's a song that we put first partially as a, um, a head fake right like the first thing you hear on our new record is this like bruising post hardcore riff that would make you think like a much um, tougher and less melodic offering is to come and of course that's uh, a classic misdirection play as soon as that riff kind of uh, dematerializes you know bring on the hooks right and that's It's fun to do that on the EP to kind of give people pause in that way. Um, And it would also be really rad to do that live to kind of like get the, uh, the testosterone addled bros really excited only to then subvert that with our uh, Hanson inflected vocal harmonies in the choruses. So Phil noir, I think would, would uh, kick it off. Right. I agree with that wholeheartedly. You
2: know,
1: that's my favorite.
2: What advice would you give to the next generation of artists?
1: I would definitely say to just, I would definitely say keep producing like whatever they're doing um, and just kind of keep throwing everything at the wall that you can, because like Jira said, we've been doing this for a while and I'm sure a lot of bands have been, many bands are always doing this for a while. And, um, I find a big thing that sometimes I have challenge with is like, oh, is this like good enough? Or is this going to be something that people enjoy or whatever? And it's, it's hard to grow within that mindset. I feel like if you're going to do something, do it the way that you think, do it the way that is going to be most satisfying to you. Like make sure your vision is actualized and the people who want to, who, enjoy your things they'll find you um we're very lucky that that kind of is happening you know happened to us and is happening to us and will continue because we're great but all I know a lot a big challenge is kind of like is what I'm doing important and is what I'm doing something that everyone will like like it, just, it matters on some regard but in another in the grander scheme of things I feel like just the point of creating and the point of being an artist slash entertainer is to just get it out there and people will find it and don't let anything of terms of like what other people are doing or what like the grander like big artists like celebrities are doing because they're all getting in trouble now like just do you grow what you can have some plasticity because you might not be doing the same thing all the time be comfortable like continuing to grow and understanding you're not going to be the best. And I guess this is way more advice than I should be giving anybody. (laughs) um, Yeah. Just do the thing, continue to grow, continue to learn and
3: don't stop. Keep producing. Only thing I might add to that is that an artist working in a, like a band context, right. That, Mm. um, collaboration with bandmates is it helps you strengthen muscles that are so useful elsewhere in life. Like there's so much about learning how to be part of a team that serves you well in pretty much every domain. Um, The things you pick up in terms of like understanding another person's workflow, another person's communication style, uh, learning how to set like your bandmates up play to their strengths and, and do things to um, offset their weaknesses. Those are like all super useful in your relationships with your family, with your coworkers in your day job, if you have one. Um, and that's something I've like been very pleasantly surprised to learn. Um, and I think it's kind of like an underheralded selling point of getting involved uh, with playing music collaboratively, just like that. The interpersonal skills you develop are Um, invaluable everywhere else so if
2: there were 25 hours in a day what would you do with that extra hour I know Jira would say I
1: probably plan a practice (laughs) I feel like I need that extra hour in a day to do a rehearsal Um, especially when you're working with other folks and other folks schedules I would use it for that And maybe I play Animal Crossing.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that's. I feel like if I had an extra hour a day, I would, um, like, keep up with my friends more. You know, like I would like Zoom with someone who lives far away, but who I care about. Like with that extra hour, because I don't know. As the years accumulate. It just becomes very obvious to me that um, like your relationships can sort of lapse or fall into disrepair really easily. Like there's so much else going on and people are so preoccupied with their own bubbles. Like if I suddenly had an extra hour, I feel like I could um kind of work against that problem. Like maybe not solve it, but you know, diminish the the scale of that problem a little bit. Uh just just by having fireside chats, you know.
2: With uh, what do you, in, a, in an ideal world, what would you like for people to take away from your music?
1: Hmm. In an ideal world, I would like people to take away that there is a lot more to what's going on than what we perceive. And I feel like the second we kind of acknowledge that, and I have a couple of songs in my head that I'm kind of thinking of, and I'm Um, I feel like the second we kind of break through that veil, especially when all these, especially in a society that's kind of going crazy right now, I feel like people will be just a little bit better aware of how to navigate that. So, yeah, I think that's where where I would like people to take away, that we're really kind of being little prophets and trying to make things better. And you should be aware of it.
3: I would totally echo that Um, what you're saying reminds me of this Marvin Gaye quote where he says, uh, if an artist is truly an artist, then they're only interested in one thing. And that's to wake up the minds of men to have humankind realize that there is something greater than we see on the surface. And that uh, it's just one of those like kind of mission statements that when I heard it, it was both like, oh, that's how I feel. But I needed someone else to say it for it to completely crystallize. And then in another way, it's something that like acts as sort of a North star uh, for me. Anytime I like, sit down to make art, like, Oh, what am I doing this for again? Uh, but the other thing I suppose I would emphasize on this question is just that energy, irreverence and imagination are kind of like the pillars of our band. Like, you know, the instrumentation we use will change. Uh, the themes and the lyrics might vary, right? We're not an exclusively political band. We're not like an exclusively breakup song-oriented band. We kind of do both. But energy, irreverence, and imagination are always things uh, that we hope to bring to the creation of our music and that we also hope to make contagious uh, via our performances um, and, you know, the content we make. We want people to feel excited and inspired to uh, make a positive impact in the world and also to just feel inspired and activated by the world right to like be juiced to be alive and uh, appreciative of the present moment so energy irreverence imagination um if you get even one of those three things from anything we do uh our days are made for sure
2: So tell the folks listening at home and all over the world where they can get their hands on your music.
3: Spotify and Apple music are great places to start. Of course, if you're a cheapo like me, maybe YouTube. Um, And of course you should follow us on Instagram so you can keep up with our shows. Um, We're playing a lot in the northeast going to places we haven't been before this fall starting with um well some dates we'll announce real soon uh and definitely check out wins repeat um and as well as the two new videos we just dropped for opposite of imposter syndrome and i'm sorry i'm a moron but also hope well, thank
2: you uh, so much for taking a little bit of time out of your day to talk to me about you and talk to me about your music. I have, I have enjoyed this so much.
1: Thank you so much for your time, truly.
3: Yeah, Greg, this has been a lot of fun for us too. Um, we appreciate the platform and the support. And we, of course, encourage you to keep doing the great work you're doing with the pod. Thanks for listening to Headliners.
0: We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For more information about the show, visit us at www.yourlifethemicstate.com. Headliners is a Spring Break 83 production in association with Rob Wharton Productions. All rights and trademarks reserved.